I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 16 books. And all but four of these are, are novels and wonderful historic fiction. And her latest is The Choice. And the one right before that, I mean, right before that, was before the Alamo. And she's very proud of uh, her southwestern uh, uh, condition there. At least, I don't know, politically, you know, it, it always matches up well. But, uh, but her, certainly culturally, um, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is absolutely, uh, absolutely in tune, maybe more than anyone in that area, other than uh, maybe Rachel Carson was at, uh, at, at one time and, and the wonderful work Rachel Carson did. Uh, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, you're listening to the Florence Weinberg Show. And our subject today is, uh, is the man who's taking on Greg Abbott. And it's uh, Beto O'Rourke. And uh, interesting man for sure. Doc, how are you? I'm just fine, Frank, and you sound good too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're coming off fresh, coming off of Easter, and uh, and and Beto. I, you know, I know people say, oh, people aren't paying attention until until Labor Day, but uh, trust me, you got to make your inroads now. And when you're taking down a uh, a a big name like Greg Abbott, an incumbent, uh, you got to start early. How is Beto uh, coming out of the shoot? Well, I think he uh, he has good name re- recognition already, and um, I think he uh, uh, he also is charismatic and he knows how to campaign. Uh, he has proven that in the past, and I'm going to talk about that. Uh, so uh, I think that since Texas governors, if he becomes Texas governor, Texas governors have a history of becoming president of the United States. Uh, so I think it's it's worth our while to pay attention to Beto O'Rourke right now. Uh, while he's, he's uh, uh, just ginning up his campaign, really, uh, it's already pretty well ginned up against Greg Abbott. So let's go then, and what I'm going to do is to give you the stats to begin with, uh, and then to go into details about his life. And I hope to uh, raise some questions so that people can ask them, that is you, Frank, can ask uh, questions at the end of this little presentation. Oh, sounds good. Okay. Beto O'Rourke, his real name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. He was born in uh, on September 6, uh, 26th, 1972. To me, that makes him just a child <laughs> of 49 years. <laughs> He's 49 years old. Was born in El Paso, uh, and he is proud of being a fourth-generation Texan and a Democrat, and I am a fourth-generation New Mexican and a Democrat. So he and I, I was born 81 miles north of uh, his birthplace in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and I think 81 or 84, uh, depending on on where you're measuring the, the middle of Alamogordo, I guess, or the middle of El Paso. In any case, uh, my father built the highway between the two of them back in the 1920s. So there's lots of history there that uh, that I have in common with Beto. I 
tanned under the same sun, breathed similar air, uh, and so on. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, he is, he was, um, uh, I'm giving you this the stats uh, here. He was, um, he has a wife. His, his uh, wife's name is Amy Hoover Sanders O'Rourke. Married her in 2005. He has children, a son, Ulysses, and a daughter, Molly, and another son, a young, young son, Henry. And I don't have birth dates for, for them. And he, he got a BA from Columbia University. He was there from 1991 to 95. And then he ran for the El Paso City Council. Uh, he was a businessman there for about 10 years and uh, worked in uh, computer um, repair and I forget what all, but, uh, uh, but he ran a business like that and he also had uh, a little publication online. And I'll talk about that later a little bit. And uh, so he ran for city council in 2005, and in that very year, he was elected by by his uh, by the city council members. He was elected mayor pro tem, which meant that he would stand in for the mayor in uh, openings for dams and things like that and if the mayor was ever sick or something he could stand in for him uh, for that so he was already popular with his peers in 2005 he then ran for uh, the u.s united states house of representatives uh, for texas and uh, for the 10th Congressional District, and he was elected in 2012 for that, and then ran for senator in 2008 uh, against Ted Cruz, and he ran for president in 2020. He set the record for the most votes cast for a Democrat Democrat, uh, in Texas history. Uh, However, he was defeated by Ted Cruz by a margin of 2.6%. Wow, very close. And can I just jump in? Uh, You said 2008, I think you meant 2018, he ran against Ted Cruz for uh, U.S. uh, Senate. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, I, I mentioned that he ran for senator in 2018 and for president in 2020. Yes, this was just a summary, and I will now go into some detail. Yeah. Uh, as a child, apparently he was not this outgoing uh, fellow and charismatic uh, person who uh, easily uh, mixes with uh, with the people and is a man of the people. He was a shy kid. <laughs> it was his excuse me, his father, who was the charismatic, outgoing, hand, back-slapping, hand-shaking person who urged his son to get out there and greet people. And uh, he, he did very, very reluctantly, apparently, uh, in his earlier years. Uh, but he learned how to do it from his father, even though he wasn't doing it himself. Uh, he credits his 
political smarts uh, to his work while he was publishing uh, his little uh, online newspaper, which was called the Stanton Street Press. His editorials, which he wrote, uh, were modeled on the Village Voice and the New York Press. I'm not familiar with the New York Press, Frank. Are you? Yes, I am. It's it's sort of a uh, it's a weekly. It's a freebie that uh, that people uh, get uh, to go onto the subway, and it's uh, it's a free publication, kind of like kind of like the Village Voice, but uh, not quite as uh, uh, elaborate what that the uh, Village Voice uh-huh. used to be. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Right, right. Um, He was, uh, in 2012, he narrowly defeated his uh, Democratic opponent in the primary, Silvestre Reyes, uh, with only 50.5% of the vote, which saved him from a runoff against Silvestre. And then he defeated the Republican opponent in the election itself. Uh, her name was Barbara Carrasco, uh, with 65% of the vote. His, he succeeded in campaigning, everybody says, on foot. Uh, he, namely, he went throughout El Paso and other places, um, other cities and towns, and all over Texas, and uh, reportedly knocked on 16,000 doors. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of sweat and a lot of driving through uh, this huge state of Texas. And as a congressman, he had one town hall meeting per month, and he worked with New Mexico Representative Steve Pierce on border reform and on the uh, against the uh, the war on drugs which he blamed for the uh, increased uh, drug cartel activity and thousands actually of murders across the border in uh, Juarez which is the sister city of El Paso just across the Rio Grande uh, and he could see that the war on drugs was simply causing uh, more trouble than it was worth, and it was incarcerating hundreds of thousands of people for black people mainly uh, for minor offenses, such as having a, uh, uh, a bit, a small amount of marijuana in uh, in their uh, possession when the police stopped them. Anyway, um, in 2014, uh, he uh, he bid for re-election, and uh, he uh, during during his campaign, he earned enough money, and he he did not accept any corporate. Uh, donations whatsoever. He accepted only small donations from people like me, uh, and he donated of that money he he raised. He donated twenty eight thousand dollars from his own campaign fund to fellow Democrats. Uh, and in November, his as far as his voting record went, in November two thousand fourteen, he voted against Obama's. Uh, deferred action policy, uh, which was 
uh, deferring the deportation of five million immigrants who had managed to collect at the border. And uh, so Obama was, was admitting all five million of those immigrants, and Beto, who knew uh, how confusing and how overwhelming it would be to deal with five million sudden immigrants, vote against that policy uh, and got some demerits from the general Democratic Party for having done so, but he had good reason. And um, let's see what else here. Um, Very oh, impressive yes, so far. Dance on Israel. Pardon me? Very impressive so far. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, well, he reasoned out everything. He see, tends to think about things rather than just vote party line. And the same thing was true with our Israel policy in, in 2014. Uh, that also was nuanced. He voted against Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system because in sending $225 million to Israel, Without any kind of debate or discussion from uh, from our Congress, uh, he could see that uh, the the uh, the reason was Netanyahu's uh, total suppression of Palestinians, which was a, a very dangerous and inhumane uh, policy, and uh, totally unproductive as well as as time has proven, and of course. Netanyahu lost power because of uh, his policies against the Palestinians, among other things. Uh, dictatorial stances uh, also. He, he tended to be an autocrat, uh, and so uh, Beto was against all that. And in uh, 2016, he endorsed Hillary Clinton as uh, presidential candidate. And uh, he was a superdelegate to the Democratic National Convention. Uh, he ran for uh, re-election as a, uh, a representative and won. And um, he backed Tim Ryan for speaker. Now, this is, this is something that people don't know, and you might hold it against him if you're a Democrat. Uh, he voted for Tim Ryan when Nancy Pelosi came up for re-election that year, uh, because he believed in term limits of 12 years for everybody, and that included Nancy. Uh, and, of course, she won. And she has uh, done a, a decent job, if not an excellent job, uh, ever since. So that was perhaps the mark against him, and yet he held his uh, his policy uh, rule, uh, his own rule of uh, 12 years maximum for everybody, and that would include senators who go on and on into their 80s. Uh, and in 2018, he ran, of course, ran for Senate against Ted Cruz in deep red Texas. And um, again, he uh, he raised his money by going door to door and getting uh, small donations and refusing uh, corporate uh, dark money. 
he ran probably the best financial campaign in the country uh, with with a positive me- a message about Mexicans who had been called thieves and rapists by the man who became president with that message. Uh, and no Democrat since 1994, uh, no Democrat had been elected in Texas since 1994, and that was Ann Richards. Uh, but he won 61.8% of the primary vote. Uh, and um, uh, he was, of course, uh, very much present in the social media during that period. Uh, and uh, he was broadcasting on his own. He used the social media, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, and everything else, uh, Instagram, and so on. Uh, and he f- filmed himself, and so he had podcasts of himself uh, skateboarding in Water Waterberg Waterburger uh, parking lot, Waterburger uh, parking lot. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, he filmed himself block walking, washing his clothes in the laundromat, and and many other things. Of course, that uh, let the people know he was one of them. He. He wasn't this hoity-toity, aloof character uh, running for Senate. However, (laughs) uh, I think uh, uh, just another footnote uh, about his campaign. Uh, He was pro-black. He was, uh, uh, when uh, uh, when one uh, uh, athlete took a knee, uh, during the playing of the national anthem, uh, Beto was sympathetic with the cause uh, and caused all kinds of controversy on account of that. And so his promise of compassion drew uh, black voters to his side. And as I say, his his funding was mainly from uh, small voters, uh, and through that he raised triple the amount that Cruz had uh, by uh, by his his method of going door to door rather than accepting corporate dark money. Um, the, the second quarter, he had uh, 10.4 million dollars versus Cruz's 4.6. Third quarter, he had uh, 38 million dollars, which was three times Cruz's totals. And he, uh, so Beto had the most money raised in the uh, in any U.S. Senate race in history, with a total of eighty million dollars, which is just incredible. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, so it is possible not to become a, a lackey of of corporate and billionaire money um, behind the scenes, and yet to raise a huge amount of money. So in debating Cruz, uh, O'Rourke was for gun control, for immigrants' rights, for legalizing marijuana, pro-take a, a knee, as I've already said. Uh, he was uh, he voted against Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court, and uh, at the end of the uh, of the last debate. The two candidates, Cruz and Beto, were asked to say something nice about each other. And uh, Beto said that 
he approved and admired Cruz's parenting, how he was raising his children. And Cruz compared Beto with with Bernie Sanders and uh, Bernie Sanders' socialist program, <laughs> with uh, underscoring the word socialist, of course, uh, which is a scare tactic for for Republicans who can conflate socialism and communism, of course, not knowing history or the uh, or the difference between the two. The results of the election. Uh, O'Rourke was defeated 48.3 to Cruz's 50.9. But the Beto effect elected down ticket candidates uh, for the third and fifth court of appeals uh, in the 2016 elections. And in the House of Representatives, uh, 12 representative seats uh, were taken by Democrats from Republicans, and two of Texas's state Senate seats were taken by Democrats. And Beto received over 4 million votes compared to Hillary's 3.9 million in the 2000 uh, uh, presidential election in Texas. And, of course, as I keep saying, he received more than any Democrat in Texas history, more votes. Wow. So, yeah. So then he ran for president in 2019 and dropped out in November that same year. Uh, that campaign never really got off the ground, and I don't think his heart was really in it. I think he got pushed into the uh, into that position, and uh, in uh, uh, let's see, he um, endorsed Biden on November first, two thousand nineteen, and he endorsed. Uh, uh, let's see, no, I'm sorry, uh, he dropped out of the presidential race on November first, and endorsed Biden uh, one day before Super Tuesday on March second, two thousand twenty. And uh, right now, he is founder of a political action committee called Powered by the People. And he is continuing a, a Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and all other social media presence by commenting on what has been going on in Texas uh, under Greg Abbott. Uh, and I'll give you a, uh, some quotes uh, from Twitter that I, I gathered. Uh, he and this is his, these are he, his words. Our property taxes have gone up to two hundred and eight dollars since uh, Greg Abbott took office. We're paying uh, forty five dollars and more on our monthly energy bills to clean up his grid crisis. And, of course, he is referring to the fact that the electrical grid for the entire state of Texas was not prepared uh, for winter weather. And when it froze for a, a full week in February uh, 2020, uh, the... Uh, uh, the entire system went down, and so uh, probably
probably around 800 people died frozen or froze to death in Texas. Uh, the official count is 300, uh, but that's Abbott's count. And the unofficial count, uh, which is probably much more accurate, is 800. Uh, but imagine people freezing to death in the United States. And uh, Beto, of course, um, blames Abbott for that failure. And the other shocker is that nothing was done to fix the electrical grid so it wouldn't happen again. And uh, and it did go down below uh, freezing, considerably below freezing, in February this year. But it didn't. It did not last. And so the the little that had been done by the corporations themselves uh, managed to keep the electrical light and heat going. So anyway, uh, Greg Greg Abbott can still be blamed for uh, for worrying about uh, transgender children using the bathroom uh, (laughs) or or suing their parents for child abuse uh, and and all of that, rather than paying attention to uh, uh, Texas's uh, infrastructure, uh, important infrastructure like the heat, like the uh, natural gas feed for uh, for heating in the winter and the electricity for keeping the lights on. Uh, so uh, anyway, another quote from from him is now we're paying more for groceries due to his border blockade that cost our economy $470 million a day. And Greg Abbott did wake up to the fact that he was getting total negative publicity for his, uh, his stunt of having the uh, any truck that came into the United States from Mexico had to be inspected again. It had already been properly inspected by the United States a Border Authority, but no, uh, Greg Abbott was not satisfied with the security of that. He had to inspect them twice. And so there were lines of trucks uh, four miles long, waiting, waiting for days. And uh, if there was produce on board, such as tomatoes or or uh, strawberries, which are very delicate, or other fruits, um, they rotted while waiting. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge loss. And, of course, there was a, uh, a hiatus in the supply of, say, parts for the Toyota plant uh, here in uh, San Antonio. Uh, So the work came to a stop uh, at the Toyota plant because the parts were missing. Uh, The assembly lines couldn't go ahead. Uh, And all of this because of a political stunt. And the same goes for convoking the the National Guard, the Texas contingent of the National Guard and having them go down to guard the border. And they had nothing to do down there. And they were ill-housed. They had uh, their their sanitary accommodations were absent. Um, And 
and they had nothing to do because the border uh, control people, the federal uh, staff down there, was doing their job. Uh, granted, the, uh, they were overwhelmed, but uh, but the border guard, the I'm sorry, the uh, the national guard had no authority to do anything. They couldn't arrest anybody. They couldn't process anybody. So they were standing around there, kicking the the tires of their uh, of their vehicles, um, and wondering where they were going to get a good night's sleep that night because there were, was no room in the in the barracks. Uh, and this this condition has continued. It's been going on for for months by now. And uh, Beto is of course blaming uh, Abbott for that condition also. And it's another stunt to make the voters of this United uh, of this United uh, State of Texas uh, believe that uh, Abbott is keeping us safe from border crime and so forth, when actually uh, the, the guard is doing nothing of the sort. So um, the other thing, the other stunt uh, that, uh, that Beto brings up is busing migrants to Washington. So you take a, a group of people who are standing there waiting to be processed push them into Greyhound buses or, uh, or buses that have been requisitioned for the, uh, for the trip and take them to Washington where they have no accommodations and no purpose and, of course, are totally confused. And so uh, what, what that is supposed to do is to illustrate how ill-prepared the democratic government is to cope with the border emergency. So what do you do? You make it infinitely worse by by just picking people at random and sending them uh, to busloads of them to Washington. And so Beto is, of course, decrying that uh, that trick. Uh, and uh, there are many other quotations that I could give you. Uh, uh, it's time for us to have a governor who cares about the people of Texas, is one. Uh, let's see. Abbott's new border po uh, policies are ill-conceived, reckless, and unnecessary. Worse, they aren't solving anything, only creating new problems at an astronomical cost, cost of billions in taxpayers' money. And that, of course, is also true. Yeah. And you know, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Doug. I'm sorry. I cut, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was going to make a point. No, no, I'm done anyway. Uh, I was just going to read a, a couple more please, of these. Yeah, uh, please do. Yeah, please go. I, I got a couple of thoughts. Yeah, well, I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> we can come back to the uh, to the quotations. Well, here's here's a, a couple things uh, worth noting. First of all, uh, Beto uh, O'Rourke, uh, when you go way back, uh, and, and I'm just going off of the information that we just all heard here, um, he was a, a, a very early user of the uh, of the Internet, right? So he was uh, he, he's an Ivy Leaguer, right, right? He graduated, did his undergrad work at Columbia, and um, he, uh, he, he came— back to back home to El Paso right came came there and he got into 
uh, you know, like fixing computers, right, or a, a business. He was uh, self-employed um, as a uh, as an entrepreneur, let's say, um, businessman, uh, which is uh, you know, which is all very impressive, but uh, really cutting edge when you think about it, uh, because he got right into computers right as the computers were exploding, and on top mm-hmm. of it, he he did a um, he he did like an online newspaper before there were online newspapers, right? I mean, he uh, he was kind of ahead of the game when you talk about uh, technology and connecting with the people uh, before social media was social media. He was kind of uh, engaging in the same uh, in the same type of. Uh, uh, behavior that uh, later social media sites like MySpace and and Facebook and everything else went. So it, you got to look at him uh, at least early on, just from those two examples, as being uh, as being very cutting edge. Uh, and you assume he's very bright and very uh, resourceful, right? Just yes. for those those couple things. But the way he he went about his uh, uh, his approach. Uh, he's very principled to his to his stances, and uh, and you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, but not not by name, but the he's the quarterback who uh, who was with the yes. San Francisco 49ers, and he kneeled uh, down uh, prior to uh, the or, or during the um, uh, during the uh, Star Spangled Banner. It became a very hot button issue, and people were very angry uh, at. Uh, Kaepernick, almost everybody was. I mean, it, it was like so many people were. Uh, he didn't cave in to the beta. Uh, Beto didn't cave in to all of all of the uh, the norm, the the normal um, uh, attitude towards what Colin Kape- uh, Kaepernick was doing was to denounce him. This is un-American. This is against the veterans. This is this. That's not what Colin Kaepernick was doing, by the way. He was, uh, he was making a stance uh, for, uh, against police brutality. So if you think about it, a very courageous move by Beto O'Rourke to, uh, to uh, stick up for somebody who had no supporters. I mean, other players... Right. Uh, was with him and African American players were and people who got right. that, but uh, it, it's not a it wasn't a prudent political move to stand up mm-hmm. for this man mm-hmm. who was walking in the completely different direction than the rest of the country. So you got to say, yeah. in a sense, cutting edge there when Black Lives Matter became a hot button issue for for many people and not just uh, African American uh, protesters, but you saw. Uh, you you saw a lot of white faces there. You saw brown faces, black faces, yellow faces, men, women. Uh, you didn't see that in 1968, but you saw it here. And one of the things that that uh, even uh, you know moderates let's let's call call them moderates and some re- uh, moderate Republicans at that time and after the death of George Floyd, uh, they they soon. Uh, some of them uh, felt some forgiveness towards Colin Kaepernick for, mm-hmm. and they they understood that he wasn't being anti-veteran. He wasn't being anti-American. He was he was trying to bring attention to uh, police brutality, which you know, let's face it, George Floyd is the epitome of police brutality. We all watched the murder of George Floyd on uh, on video, and but in a sense, 
Beto O'Rourke was ahead of the game on that. And then the last point I want to make, just echoing off of what what you said, is that Beto O'Rourke in 2018, and and again, maybe he took advantage of uh, of Ted Cruz being called lying Ted by uh, yeah, by Donald yeah. Trump. I didn't mention that. Uh, right. Lying. Uh, the lying Ted was uh, was Trump's right. nickname oh. for him. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is, Trump might have uh, might have weakened him a bit, and maybe Beto O'Rourke, with uh, some political savvy behind him, uh, mm-hmm. jumped in saying, "You know what." You know, these two don't. These men, two two men, don't like each other. They might pretend to like each other, but Trump doesn't like them, and he beat up uh, Cruz during that presidential campaign. And you know, here comes Beto O'Rourke in 2018, and uh, and cutting edge. Talking about cutting edge once again, uh, eighty million dollars, Doc. Eighty million dollars he raised. Uh, I mean, it's unheard of uh, in a in a race uh, in you know, for a Democrat in Texas, but $80 million. But everything that he seems to have done throughout his career um, has been uh, has been very much, I shouldn't say everything, but many things that he's done has been cutting edge. And he's gone yes. either with his gut, his conscience, or, uh, or, or against the grain when he felt uh, like he disagreed with. Having said that, uh, a very interesting character. Hello. Yes, I said. Uh, having said that, a very interesting character in the political uh, scheme of things uh, is Beto O'Rourke, and you gotta you gotta appreciate that. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, he thinks for himself, which is unique, almost unique in today's Senate um, or uh, Congress or anywhere else, for that matter. Um, he is. Uh, somebody who thinks over the issues before he makes a decision, and I think his decision about Israel is a case in point. Uh, I know he made many enemies among my Jewish peers um, because of that decision, and he went against, I think it was 108 or or 88 or something. It was an overwhelming uh, vote. Uh, for the Iron Dome for money, uh, for the, an enormous amount, millions of dollars that were sent to uh, to Israel at that point. Uh, and, um, and he voted against it because he could see that it was curtains for the uh, Palestinians. They would be bombed, they would be uh, murdered, uh, and uh, indeed they were after that. Uh, so uh, Americans are simply not and blindly, blindly supporting Israel without looking at the actual policy, Americans are complicit in uh, crimes against humanity, really, uh, which were going on under Netanyahu. Uh, I have not been following Israel just lately. I know that they are not supporting uh, Ukraine. I do know that. Uh, but other than that, I've been... Uh, uh, much more concerned with Ukraine than uh, uh, than with Israel in this uh, right now in this contemporary mess that we're in. But uh, I think Beto, as you say, Frank, is somebody to keep an eye on. And to repeat something I said earlier on, uh, uh, if he runs for president one of these days, <laughs> actually he will. Uh, if he if he wins the governorship, the first 
time any Democrat has been elected to a public office since 1994 with Ann Richards. But if he makes it, uh, he would be ripe for a run for president because two Texas governors, one after the other, were elected president of the United States. And so why not Beto O'Rourke as well? We shall see. Yeah, amazing. You know, it, it's uh, uh, it, it is a uh, it is a star on the rise for sure. And you yeah, know, he's not going to have to spend on building up name recognition. He has tremendous name recognition. And uh, and secondly, you know, he's going to raise money. He's going to raise tremendous amounts of money. And um, you know, again, uh, I think people. I, and by the way, he's gonna he's gonna raise out of Texas money, which is unique. Because I don't know, there's not a single Democrat that you could have named that could run other than Beto O'Rourke that is going to bring money outside of Texas to his campaign. And he's going to have New York money, he's going to have California money, and he's going to have money all from all across the country. And that is a big, big deal. All right. I, I'm going to finish with, uh, with a, another quotation uh, from Beto. And it is this. Texas teachers are underpaid by $7,500 a year compared to national average. That changes when we win. We'll raise teacher pay, improve their health and retirement benefits, fully funding our classrooms and having the backs of our kids' educations. And that was on two entries on Twitter. Uh, on April 14th. And so uh, that shows that he has a broad spectrum of interests, and uh, he's very aware of the Republican uh, uh, battle against teachers' ability to, uh, to teach what they feel is necessary, namely to answer kids' questions when they ask uh, why do I have two daddies and, uh, instead of a daddy and a mommy like all the other kids? Uh, and the teachers are trying to answer that. And, of course, the Republicans are saying they're grooming those children to become homosexual. Um, so Beto is, uh, is aware of the, that kind of problem. And the fact that Texas teachers, traditionally Texas has, has looked down upon education uh, because the uh, the tough cowboy uh, doesn't need no education, uh, so uh, why pay those people? They're just freeloaders. Besides, they have the summer off. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, listen, you you make a case. Uh, Beto O'Rourke should hire you. You laid out a beautiful case for him, and I and I think you were straight down the middle. I don't think that was uh, that there was a lot of fluff in there. You gave a, uh, you laid out a, a very uh, a very compelling uh, case. But I I think you did it, uh, you know, from uh, a stand. Obviously, you know, people know you're very fond of Beto O'Rourke. But uh, at the same time, uh, there's not much that you said there. There, I don't think there's anything that you said there that could really uh, be disputed. Uh, opinions are are opinions, but you you laid out facts. On Beto O'Rourke, and uh, and and I think you did it wonderfully. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I I did my best. 
Oh, you, you, did a, you did a great job. And everyone out there, uh, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in each and every week. And again, uh, Florence Byham Weinberg uh, is, is the full, full name by her books, by all, of, all the books you see of her, but especially by The Choice, that's her latest, and by Before the Alamo. And uh, check out the documentary and uh, also binge listen to, to all the shows here. Uh, we're on 124 different outlets and counting. A couple more uh, added. And, uh, and we'll see you all next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.